0: Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what
1: we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. Hey, everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman, Uh, greeting you to the 91st count of 91 uh, Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition Zoom Calls, otherwise known as GReep and now known as the Green Greep or gre uh calls. We are thrilled to have everybody with us. We have more than 40 people on the line to start. Uh, we are going to be dealing with some majorly important issues. We have the great Andrea Miller and Joel Siegel with us to lay out what I hope will be, I'm sure will be a major turning point in organizing history. They are going to tell us what's needed to do to win the um, uh, 2022 and 24 elections for a progressive movement. Remember, we are nonpartisan, so we're not here pushing the Democrats. God help us. And um, um, uh, we are also, of course, uh, at 5 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, rebroadcast at the Progressive Radio Network at my Solartopia Green Power and Wellness slot. Uh, So Joel and Andrea are going to, do most of the uh, heavy lifting here um, in the first hour. We're also going to talk with a great uh, guest about uh, violence against um, uh, election workers. And we're also, I mean, very much in the news and very much a part of that is this massive trend towards banning books. I mean, um, I I thought we were over that, but apparently not. Um, In fact, they just banned a book about Harvey Milk apparently because he was gay, one of the great leaders in American history. I mean, it's beyond me, guys, but we'll, we'll deal with that as well. And in the second hour after 6 o'clock Eastern time, uh, Tatanka Bricka is going to join with Ron Leonard and Wendy Liederman uh, to talk to us about what's new uh, uh, with the environment and the massive war against uh, renewable energy, uh, specifically against rooftop solar. It's quite amazing. So um uh this is a wonder of wonders i do want to start today and i sent uh steve i sent you the link uh there's a major um piece out on the internet being re- republished by raw story um uh about uh the fall of the evangelical movement and um a uh, a massive drop uh, there it is uh uh Oh, that's the ban—the banned book movement. That's truly astounding and oh, an amazing story. And here's the second one about church ties uh, to Trump-based politics are fueling an exodus of young evangelicals. Uh, at a certain point uh, in the early 2000s, the evangelical movement uh, claimed more than 25% of the American public. And now it's under uh, well under 15. And among uh, uh, people under... 30, it's, it's less than 10. Uh, and, and also the, the average age of the evangelical movement um, uh, has risen to close to 60. It's actually the old, demographically, it's the oldest uh, religious movement in the country. Okay, Steve, you can take that down. Everybody, if you look in the uh, chat, you can get the links to those two articles. They're, you know, on the one hand, book, book banning, and I assume burning, and on the other hand, the the plummet in the evangelical uh, community seems kind of dissonant. But that's that's where we're at in this day and age. I have to say before we jump in, and I was on the I usually go and sit on the exercise bike and watch uh, the news. Uh, and today, the news from Ukraine is just it's petrifying uh, what is being done to to that country. Uh, uh, you know, uh, absolutely astounding. Of course, it's been going on in Afghanistan and Iraq uh, before this, but um, uh, the difference is that they, the American TV networks would not show it when it was happening in Afghanistan and Iraq, and now they're showing it in, Afghanistan, in, in Ukraine, and it's absolutely devastating. I hope to God that this has an effect of ending war, uh, but uh, I guess it's up to us, right? And we're going to see how. We have the great Andrea Miller and the great uh, uh, Joel Siegel, two of our most advanced, um, uh, experienced, um, astute, and effective organizers in all of the country. And um, um, we're going to try and devise on this call a plan to uh, deal with the upcoming election in 2022 and uh, in 2024. Uh, all the media is predicting a an extreme right-wing uh, victory uh, to take place. Both houses of the Congress in in the fall uh, the the Democratic Party, such as it is, has well over a hundred million dollars which they're about to blow on TV advertising. And uh, between Andrea and Joel, hopefully uh, and uh, you know PDA uh, coming up with great progressive candidates, uh, maybe we can reverse that. So Andrea, uh, let's take it to you first and then Joel. Uh, Andrea, of course, is one of the authors of the George a miracle, a key to the movement that successfully elected two progressive senators and resulted in the 50-50 split in the US Senate. So uh, Andrea, if you will, please.
2: Well, hey, Harvey, thank you. Thank all of you for joining. I've got a really quick, brief slide presentation. Um, I'm going to walk you through that. A lot of times it's easier. If you can see something, than just hear it. So let me get this thing running. I'm calling this winning in 2022 and 24. So the challenge is the right wing has created this huge enthusiasm with the big lie. And their voters are very, very, very excited. Um, now, the Democrat, the progressives, the left, whatever you want to call us, we've had some federal wins, the American Rescue Plan, uh, the appointment of Judge Kitanji Jackson-Brown, but much of our agenda, especially the voting rights agenda, has stalled. Like Build Back Better is still, we don't really have it. And the stalling and the inability to pass the progressive legislation has created a real lack of enthusiasm among progressive activists. Now, we are seeing a lot of drop off among our progressive volunteers. And we're looking at this as though This is primary season, and we will be working to bring them back for the general. Now, I have a major, major, major concern about the critical Democratic Party digital infrastructure, which is no longer American-owned. And while we cannot get the left progressive funders or anyone to invest in a big way in democracy centers, the right wing is investing in, they call them, communities enters. But basically, they're exactly the same as my democracy's enter idea that several of us came up with back in 2015. So what do we need to do to win? Number one, the Democratic Party does two very important things. Number one, they stamp a D behind the name of candidates that are willing to run as Democrats. Let them keep doing that. Number two, they used to provide decent infrastructure for voter contact Well, there's a new sheriff in town that's got much better tools. And why don't we just go and buy our own tools? They're available on the commercial market. Anybody willing to spend the money can buy them, which is basically what I'm doing for all the states where we work. We need democracy centers to counter the right wing community centers and we need on the ground local partners. And then we still will always need remote partners, people who are not in focus states, California, New York. Chicago, who are providing volunteer or even paid time doing texting, phone banking, and whatever other things can be done remotely. Now, this is critical, and this is where the Democratic Party consistently misses the ocean liner. On-the-ground partners must be local people people who are trusted community members, not somebody they parachute in. And whatever messaging you are using in a community, you need to talk to members of the community, what a concept, and ask them what's important to them, and then see what you've got in your toolbox. Be it a Democratic, Republican, probably not, or an independent candidate. right, now, this is the first thing that I took care of in 2022. Progressive organizations and the Democratic Party, now not all states, California left NGP van about 10, 12 years ago. NGVAN, if you've never heard of it, is the voter file software that the DNC and most state and county parties, as well as most Democratic candidates use. This is used for targeting the voters they wish to contact. It's used for phone banking. It's used for canvassing. And the couple of cell numbers it has in it, it's used for texting. My problem with NGP Van is in August of 2021, it was sold to a British venture capital company called Apex Partners. And call me crazy, but I'm just really not comfortable with a foreign country owning the voter contact Infrastructure. So the moment that happened, I switched to another vendor. Now, I didn't just switch because the infrastructure has been sold, I switched because. When we set up a phone bank or we're texting, we actually like to reach the voters we were trying to reach. So in PDI, which stands for Political Data Intelligence, a California company. They've got millions of cell numbers. We deal with BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, People of Color, AAPI, Hispanic, and Native American. So when we're looking at Asian voters, Asia is a continent. It's not just a country. It's a continent with numerous countries. They identify the voters' country of origin. And if they probably do not speak English, they identify the probable language. When we're looking at Florida, and Florida is one of our states, and I'm looking at Hispanic voters, it tells the country of origin of Hispanic voters. School districts are there. Remember, we like to think about federal races, but where do a lot of people get started? They get started on school board. This has school boards in it. It also allows us to do really complex script writing for phone banking, canvassing, And we've got browser dialing. So when we look at our majority minority states like Texas, Florida and Louisiana, it becomes very important when we are targeting voters to say we are looking at Hispanic voters. We want them born in the U.S. and these countries so we can be very, very specific about the voters we target. Now, here's another thing. When you are targeting voters, Uh, my uncle who was an alderman. Well, I had two of them in the daily machine told me the most important thing that you're going to need to win an election is turnout. He who gets their voters out is going to win. In most states, reaching out to just Democrats is not going to give you enough voters to win. By adding voters of color and understanding that your margin is, at worst, 85%, at best, 95% or more, if you get those voters to turn out, you need to add numbers. That's what we did when we went to Alabama in 2017, and we went through the black belt. We did the same thing in Georgia when we were working on a couple of congressional races, and then we came back in 2020, and again did the same thing going through the Georgia black belt. Every southern state that was a slave state had a black belt. The people who were slaves, um, luckily, this is not elementary schools, so I (laughs) can't be sued for talking about critical race. States that were southern states, the black folks that lived in the black belt, many of them didn't go anywhere. They stayed right where they were, and many that left are now coming back home. So when we see some of the worst voter suppression laws in Texas and Florida, it is because their governors know their voting age population is already majority-minority. And they've got to come up with things to keep people from voting. All right. Now, this is what my voter file looks like. I am not allowed to look at party. I just look at registered voters. But when I look at ethnicity and I'm looking at language, look at the breakdown. In NGP Van, I get They're Black, they're Asian, they're Hispanic, they're Caucasian, they're Native American, or they're other. I don't have enough political intelligent data to really be able to slice and dice and target my universe the way that I want. They also are buying products. They built the best relational organizing tool that I've used that gives us the ability to put out information to voters where they can then share it with their circles. So again, everything about voter outreach has to be Are we talking about what's important to the voter? In other words, did we ask them or did we just show up and tell them what was important? I mean, we show things like this is how you can get your free COVID test kits. Our tool, Outreach Circle, is also what we use for texting voters. We can also show videos on it. So I also mentioned early on that the other side is creating community centers. Well, community centers are basically our ideas of democracy centers. What's different about the way we do it from the way the party does it is we teach the local on the ground people how to use the tools themselves as opposed to we bring people in from the outside who use the tools. And then when they leave, the community has gained nothing from where they started. So again, any messaging we do with the community, we ask them and then they tell us what is important. And then we create their palm cards where the images look like them. People are very, very proud when they are heard. And you know what? They go out and they very willingly talk to their neighbors and they share what it is that they want in their community and technically what they're fighting for. I'm going to show you one more slide about how and where we locate. We use the voter file. And we first of all look at what are the communities with very, very, very high BIPOC populations. In the primaries, we only do Black voters because as they're going to speak English. When we get to the general, that is when now we're going to be targeting Hispanic voters and AAPI voters who speak specific languages where we have volunteers who can write and speak those languages. We only go into communities where people have stopped voting because we understand the law of big numbers, we need extra voters. We need people who are 0 in 3 and 1 in 3. People the party is never going to reach out to. So those are our primary target voters. We have lost so many elections by less than 3 percentage points because we're a only talking to Democrats. And even if we got every Democrat in the van to go out and vote, it's not quite enough. We need the extra voters. And democracy centers have proven that they can go into a community where people don't vote and basically turn low propensity voters into voting rights activists. So again, what do we need to do? Number one, we need to buy better infrastructure. Number two, we need to make sure that when we go into a Community, it is to find the trusted local community members to carry the message to people who live in their community. And we need to make sure that they learn how to use all all these 21st century tools. And when the election is over, the tools stay there so that whatever it is the community needs to do as the community, they now have the tools to keep building on their work. The silly thing that we do is, or the party does, not me, I'm not silly, is they will come into a community, put resources. Two days after the election, they're gone. In two years, they have to go back to that same community and basically start over from scratch, um, talk about something that is a pointless and they have proven over and over again is a completely losing strategy. What we are seeing is our democracy centers, when the elections are over, keep on working and they begin expanding and bringing in new communities to start their own democracy center and go through the training. So that as long as we leave the tools there, we can move on to different communities forever expanding. So thank you very much.
1: Wow, that was a great, really great presentation. Uh, in terms of, uh, thank you, Andrea. In terms of money, um, the Democratic Party, as I say, are both parties, uh, have Upwards of a hundred million or more that they're going to spend on um, uh, TV ads. What um, what what kind of uh, financial parameters are we talking about with this kind of grassroots organizing?
2: Four point seven million to do one hundred and forty democracy centers across nine states, and that buys the digital infrastructure and pays for my IT team. So four point seven million. Well,
1: how much? Okay, how much to do the whole United States?
2: Um. It would be 1.6 million to buy the voter file uh, from PDI for all 50 states. It's actually going to be less because the more states you buy, the cheaper they make it. So let's just argue and say it's 1.7, um, it's 1.6 million. And to buy the voter file, you should probably be able to do the whole country for twenty million
1: to get to uh, to do this kind of organizing. Uh, yeah, it's 20, whole, million. I mean, is it's 20, twenty million. It's twenty million voters? Such a deal. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the Democrats have a hundred million. The Republicans have God knows what. So uh, you're saying that we could run a grassroots campaign which is nitty-gritty, which is proven, which you just- And everybody out. gets paid a minimum of $15 an hour. Wow. So um, are, is there a union that represents people who do this kind of work? Um, I don't
2: work with anybody in a union um, again, because we are going into low-income communities, most of these folks would be thrilled to make $10 an hour. And I'm like, no, sorry. Uh, you're going to have to take a minimum of 15
1: So if we raise $20 million to do this kind of campaign nationwide for progressive candidates, what do you think the impact would be on the 2022 election? Um, well, number one, I am
2: expecting to have a great election in the state where I'm working. So again, we should expect to have a great election. Now, again, remember, my caveat is I work exclusively with community of color voters. So that means In many instances, I am working with voters, and many of my voters are rural, and many of my voters are older. So that means I'm working with voters that are low information. So this angst that many progressive organizers are going through, going, oh, but we didn't pass this. Oh, but we didn't do that. These voters didn't even know this was a possibility. So we just need to make sure they get invited to the dance of democracy. Let me uh, give you an example. One of the things I used to tell people about elections is think of an election as a community dance. Everybody knows where the dance is. Everybody knows when the dance is. But there are certain people who feel like they're not invited, so they don't go. Most of the voters we call or text haven't been called by anybody. And the other side is realizing that. And they're beginning to make outreach. So if we don't reach out, we're going to miss this vote.
1: Unbelievable. Okay, so we have three people. uh, uh, Joe Siegel, we have three people with their hands up. And you are next to talk. I'll make it your decision. Do you want to call on the folks with their hands up, or do you want to start away? And Andrea, you are magnificent. Let me ask you, if we did get the $20 million to do the whole country, (laughs) do you have the organizational um, uh, capacity to do it?
2: There's a yes and a no. We've got the IT staff who can do it. What we don't have is in states that are not our focus states, we don't have those trusted on the ground community partners. It would take us 12 hours to identify. These are all the communities where we need to be based on a lot of voters. Of caller that are no longer participating. And we've got to just invite
1: them back. So the answer is yes, you can do it in 12 hours. <laughs> you can, you can- uh, well, I can give you the target areas
2: in 12 hours,
3: yes.
1: OK. All right, well, we'll need the infrastructure. Um, we have four raised hands. Joel, I'm going to leave it up to you. You are next to talk. Andrew, you are magnificent. Please stay with us. I know you have to leave at 6. So we'll push this ahead. We also have uh, upcoming um, a discussion of violence against poll workers uh, and also of Ohio when Rachel Copley joins us. So, um, uh, Joel, do you want to proceed or do you want to take the question?
0: I, I think let Andrea is on a roll here. Let her keep rocking and I'll, I'll go after her.
1: Uh, Andrea, are you ready for questions? Uh, sure, I am ready. OK, <laughs> Dr. Ruth, I think you're first. Go ahead. We have sixty-eight people on the call. Uh, Dr. Ruth, go ahead. Uh, do you need to unmute? Unmute, unmute Ruth. Um, who Who are the others that had a hand here? Um, uh, I, can,
3: I, am I unmuted now, Harvey? Yes, you yes, are, yes. Okay. I hear okay. you, Ruth. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Andrea, fantastic. Um, we really need to do what you're saying out here. So. Uh, you know, keep in touch and let us know what we need to do on the ground here. Although, uh, California- Bruce, what 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 state are you in? Bruce? Isn't uh, we're in Californ- California. I'm in California. Oh. So we're oh, blue right. state. Uh, uh, Central Valley. You- right. Central Valley. Yeah. OK. All right. So um, this APEX thing, uh, yes. do we need to be writing the DNC, you know, to stop doing Stupid things like this, or what? What? What can we do well, about? Well, that? well, again,
2: again, NG is a product. Um, it's a commercial product. They put it up for sale, and a foreign company bought it. And it does not seem that the DNC or the party, maybe they are behind the scenes, is looking to transition to an American company. My fear is that four to six weeks before the 2022 midterm, and if Ivan just goes dark. And they go, oh, my God, we were hacked by the Russians. We were hacked by the Russians. Well, the whole democratic infrastructure is now dark.
3: So, in other words, stick with the devil that you know, basically. Uh, Well, well, that's what they're doing. I'm not. I'm buying
2: all new infrastructure. I have use of Avenger Ivan for free. I don't want to be in that boat, so I had to increase my budget by a quarter million dollars to buy PDI in the nine states where I work.
3: Okay, I've got one other question. Um, I fully understand um, targeting uh, the black vote, as you said, um, in places, but let's take an example of uh, Jessica Cisneros running against Henry Cuellar who is a Dino, you know, Democrat in name only, yeah. very conservative, et cetera. Now, um, you know, I, I, I shouldn't impute this, but it may be that black voters are not as invested in that particular race as other ones. Um, so uh, what, what do we do about races like that? Thank you.
2: Um, and again, I normally like to get involved in states where I am looking at a statewide race, it's US Senate, um, um governor, uh public utilities commissioner, something that is statewide, so that it doesn't matter where I get my voters. So again, understand I'm going bigger picture, and then I know where there are races where we have a lot of people. So unfortunately, In that race, because it's a primary, we would not because we don't have the money to bring on Spanish language folks to if we have voters there where their predominant language is Spanish to really be able to engage those voters. We do
1: get the money by the general. But you do have the template, You, you have the plan and the, uh, the, the outline of how to go about it. So right. if, it, if it's right. not part of your organization, what the progressive movement would have to do is have an, an infrastructure that can deal... With Spanish language, a Spanish language, right?
2: And you can go and buy PDI. You just call them up, tell them, do you need an entire state, a congressional district, uh city council district, or a state senate district? I bought St- South Carolina Senate, state senate district thirty-one for nine hundred dollars for a quarter. This is not financially
1: challenging. OK, great. Um, um, uh, we'll go to Lynn Feinerman. Lynn? And then Paul. Hey, okay,
4: Lynn. Hey, dear. Sending yeah. you hugs. Yes. Um, I OK. <laughs> Back. Um, First question is, do we know who this uh, foreign company is that bought CG Van and what their background is? reason I ask is because Dominion Voting and I mean, you know, the the drill Dominion Voting is totally right wing and has access to most of our voting technology. So I would like to know. You know, if you can send me some info on that. Um, I will
2: answer your question. Apex partners are friends with the Kushners.
4: Uh, uh, I almost swore. OK. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I forgot. OK. Um, next question. Um, you were talking about the, the community centers. Um, and, is, and you said right wing. Are we talking about like the right wing dams? The repugnant lookings or actual. Like The nut, actual nut real
2: right wing Trump supporting, putting community centers in Hispanic areas that were Cuban on the Texas southern border, which normally would go blue and it went red because the party isn't strong down there. So another group came in and they listen to what was important to the community and explain that's exactly who they were. Got it. Do
4: we, how can we um, discredit them? Or, or is it a a waste of time? We
2: can't. we, but, well, again, we would have to have trusted members of their community go, are you people insane? Look at what these folks are doing. You are not going to be able to counter what local community members are saying with someone who just shows up from the outside. Outside. Got so it. our, our canvas hers um i love zeta picture this zeta is an middle-aged heavy dark skinned african american woman with a little bedroom slipper dog in a baby carriage Zeta will knock on the door and go, hey, I'm Zeta. I live over on Cameron Street, identifying that. Hey, I live in the hood just like you. Can I talk to you about what's going on in our community? Who is not going to talk to Zeta?
4: Yeah. Okay. Um, final question, and then I'll I'll go. is the best way, I attended one of your fundraisers. It was fabulous. I think you guys did pretty well. We did. The best way for our, us to help you is to join with you and make like a biggie uh, with some, you know, big money people showing up for you. Uh, that
2: would certainly help because foundations aim um a little confused about what we're doing and they're like and why are you talking to voters who don't vote because they're the extra voters that we need why would I be talking to the ones that vote all the time they're gonna vote
1: anyway
4: yeah yeah
2: okay
1: okay, okay. thank you a, a total revelation Paul Stokes and then we'll bring it back to you Joel Siegel if hey, you're Paul. Ready. Paul Stokes go for it by the way, this is a non-alcoholic ginger beer for those of you who think I'm drinking and driving.
2: Oh, 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 <laughs> thank you, Harvey, because we were all so
1: concerned <laughs> not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> oh, well, hi, hi uh, Hey! And, uh, I think maybe my question was sort of answered, but I, I'm just wondering, has is, is anybody that you know of approached the Democrats, uh, you know, DNC or whomever, to uh, to follow up on on what you're suggesting here. Maybe.
2: Um, I used to be a member of the DNC. The DNC had a special table for 501 3 organizations. And after the Alabama election, which I helped win, I listened to the DNC talk about all the money they had given to local on the ground consultants. Cliff Albright was there, Black Voters Matter. And I asked Cliff if he had gotten any of the money. And he said, no, he hadn't. And I asked him, Did, do you know of any groups that got any of the money? And he said, no, he didn't. <laughs> so there are consultants that they like giving money to. And it doesn't seem to matter whether they win races. Or whether they lose races. That was also at the meeting where Keith Ellison presented my democracy center proposal to Tom Perez, who shit all over it. Yeah. Oops, sorry.
3: Okay. okay. Yeah. We didn't still going on yeah, that way.
1: Thanks. He he shed all over it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that, Andrea. <laughs> I have. I have uh, <laughs> I have met him, uh, um, the, the former chair of the Democratic Party, and uh, there's no there there. Uh, Joel, we have four people with hands, but you, you can jump in when you're ready, whenever you're ready.
0: You want me to go ahead? Good yeah. starter. Uh,
1: well, we have um, – uh, uh, it's, it's your call. Uh, who do we have in line here? We have Jed Palker. Is that you, Jed? Um, Jed, Justin, Laura D. Jed, Justin – Eric L- – and Eric has, is bringing us someone who's going to talk about um, uh, the effect of student loans. Uh, Joel Siegel, I'll introduce him. Joel Siegel. But I also have one quick question for Andrea. Please. Go for it. Go for it. Um, so Andrea, I'll be trying to reach out to you um, if you're interested. The idea that there could be a contract term um, where the voter file company would be required to have a parallel running system that would be under Democratic Party control. So if anything happens to the primary system, um, a backup system is immediately available. I'd be overjoyed to help write the contract terms and see whether they would be willing to sign up for that. Let me know if you're interested. Um, Elazarus at electionsec.org. I sent that to you in the chat. Is it clear that the, the idea that having a complete parallel system on a different cloud server under the Democratic Party control so that you can, uh, you can uh, put to uh, it again. Um,
2: yeah, they're already paying for NGP Van. But again, I think the whole system's going to go dark, and they're going to scream they are acting by the Russians.
1: Right. Well, of course, we can definitely trust the Kushner's to to act with integrity. Um, uh, Joel, we have a uh, uh, go for it. I'm going Joel Siegel is one of our great organizers in this country. He's worked with Andrea. He's brought brought us Andrea actually. And uh, Joel is a co-author or an author of the uh, ACA and much, much, much more as skilled and as seasoned a campaigner as there ever could be, former chief of staff with uh, uh, John uh, Conyers. uh, So uh, his list of accomplishments is astounding. And what we have to now add to your list of accomplishments, Joel, is a way to help work with Andrea and the rest of us to save the 2022 election for the progressive Uh, part of the piece of this country, which is the majority, by the way. We are the progressive majority. We just don't seem to have any luck getting control of the government. We have 70 people with us. Joel, take it away.
0: Yeah, hi. Very hard to follow. Andrew Miller. She's one of my uh, best friends and uh, sisters and gurus. She also makes very good homemade ice cream. Um, But anyway, um, what I want to do from here on out is I want to go through how I think we can accomplish Andrea's vision. I will tell you that when Andrea told me about democracy centers, I was pretty blown away. It was almost a year ago. If we get democracy centers funded, that would be the most important revolution in this country among progressives, in my opinion, since Roosevelt. And um, I hope that, you know, subsequent to this call, we really can have a more serious conversation about money, and fundraising, because uh, that's where you know Andrew's genius. And for it to go to the next level, and all of our colleagues, we got to really talk about funding. So I'm going to go ten minutes, which is what I was told to go. Uh, that's the length. And unlike Andrew, who's very professional, I will give you more of an amateurish <laughs> presentation. But I hope that um, it can spark some discussion. What's most important is what do you think about what Andrew and I are talking about. <clears throat> Well, this is called the Joel Siegel bar mitzvah Woodstock plan for progressives to win the Congress in 2022. Now, why is that bar mitzvah and Woodstock? Because in order for my bar mitzvah to have been successful, my mother and all of her Yenta, Lynn knows what this means, Yenta friends who talked on the phone, yet you know, and eating coffee cakes and drink coffee, playing cards, they had to have a spirit of harmony, they, you know, Woodstock was about fun, and until we really start thinking about unity and solidarity among progressives, we can't really do that much. So I just want to make that point. It's very important. I'm going to get to, to that at the end. So my background, in a nutshell, is about 42 years of running campaigns for Congress, um, state races, local races, but also having led national campaigns, you know, for single payer or sane freeze. U.S. out of South Africa and all that I learned, you know, with great, great leaders like Abby Hoffman or John Conyers. But I really learned most everything from um, it was Mayor Harvey Gantt, who was a black mayor who kept winning his races in Charlotte, North Carolina, in a pretty conservative city. And I I learned from that machine and then from the Conyers machine. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and start with my presentation. The prognosticators in the Media are saying without any evidence that's empirical that Democrats are going to lose the midterms. So this is antithetical <clears throat> to common sense since we just won an election. The House and the Senate, we won those, correct? So somehow we're gonna to have to figure out a way to really study and examine the Georgia miracle. How did a Jewish and an African-American, uh, two people who should not have won their races? actually win their Senate races? And how did they do that? And we've spent a lot of time talking about the Georgia miracle. We're gonna have to spend even more time replicating it in in other states. Um, The other thing is, if we gotta look at the moment here, I lived in the Congress eight years under George W. Bush. What we're gonna see if the Republicans take back the Congress, it, it will be a Trump Congress, not a Bush Congress, a Trump Congress. What does that mean? They'll try to. I know we're supposed to be nonpartisan, but I got to be academically correct. The R's will try to do a a ban on Muslims, detention centers at the borders with children, eliminating Obamacare, which has provided coverage for 40 million people. Absolutely no progress on clean, renewable energy. Um, as opposed to they're probably going to want to fund gas and oil exploration, even more than that, especially fracking. Um, f- forget about any of Biden's agenda, whether it's Build Back Better, doesn't matter, whatever Biden's plans, they're going to be, they'll be very difficult to get anything passed. And what what the Republicans will use in their arsenal is the same thing that they've always used, and those are debt limit cliffs. But I don't want to go into too much detail about debt limit cliffs, but basically what the Republicans will do is say, this spending is going to bankrupt the Congress, so therefore we're going to we're going to um, close Congress down. I don't know if you remember those days, but that's that's what they use. That's what the, that's how they strangle progress is by debt limit cliffs and you know talking about well we're going to have to cut spending by X, Y, and Z. So progressives will be on the defense uh, for the next several years, protesting in the streets as opposed to being more um, on the offense. Forget about housing for all, Medicare for all, jobs for all, college for all, the George Floyd Act, that does not, that's not gonna have a chance of passage. So what I'm gonna do now, and, and here's what's really important. This election can determine whether or not we survive a, as a human civilization, because the Rs are gonna push back on any clean energy legislation. We only have about 10 years to start the transition to 100% solartopia that came from Harvey, uh, solar and wind. But what, what happens if we can't get any legislation passed whatsoever? That means we're in big trouble because the U.S. always leads, even if you don't necessarily like U.S. foreign policy, whether you like it or not, the, the other countries in the world take their cues from the United States, that's just, it's just the way it is. So I'm gonna suggest um, four or five steps. Step one, I think we need to have a progressive summit to win the midterms. Why a progressive summit? Because we got to bring together the best and brightest people from all walks of life, people who've actually won elections. Why? Because if you're going to get a winning basketball team to win a college championship, you don't get a coach out of high school, right? You may want to get, you know, uh, Shishkov's got a retirement or something, but we have to bring together people who've won elections and won campaigns because progressives are going to have to shift away from blogging, TikTok, <laughs> um, you know, texting each other, Facebook to actual organizing. A lot of progressives, Bernie Sanders, I think, has changed that paradigm a lot, um, have to really get involved in electoral politics. Now, that's not something a lot of progressives are used to. Many of you might be used to it, but a lot of progressives aren't used to working on a campaign. Um, So why a progressive summit? If you don't have a progressive summit, you're going to have no summit. So you want to have a progressive summit to talk about how to win the midterms. After when the summit meets, it'll have to be done pretty quickly. You first have to raise the money for the summit. So you need a steering committee to organize the summit. At the summit, there would be workshops on the Georgia miracle. I would bring in David Plough, who uh, was Obama's campaign manager, who wrote the book, The Audacity to Win, which I think is an incredible book. And that's the playbook on how Obama won. President, now, whether you like Obama or not is immaterial. What's important is that Obama won an election that he shouldn't have won, in my opinion, because of his ground game, because of a lot of the things that Andrew Miller has talked about. Thousands of people going door to door, hiring artists to do these really cool T-shirts where he looked like Che Guevara. Um, you know, and it was a very creative campaign, but it was really, according to David Plough, it was the door to door campaigning. But what Andrew said earlier is very important. you got to get people from the community that, you know, am I right, Andrew?
2: Uh, Yes. And I just dropped a note in the chat. President Obama built a parallel structure to the party. He didn't use the party structure. He built his own.
0: Okay, home run. Um, That's that's it. You got to build a parallel structure. So now once you have the summit and we're all learning from each other, about you know, how do you win the midterms, um, then people who are at the summit are gonna have to agree to form a coalition with a name, a steering committee, and then come up with a battle plan to win the midterms and then go get that funded. How do you start with that process? I would go to our revolution, would be the probably one of the first, we go talk to Hal, who's part of our team here. Um, go to folks that you all know, and it would probably have to be done virtual. I don't know if it could be done in person because of COVID, but unless we have 435 congressional districts, we have 50 states. I think what Andrea could do, for example, at the summit as one of the keynote speakers is to really pinpoint what are the closest races. Most races are won by 1% to 2% of the vote. The Democratic strategy, which I think is fallacious, the little truth in, little truth to it, but not a lot of truth, is that you have to cleave off X amount of Republicans in order to win races, I, I I disagree. Most race, and I learned this from the great late Congressman John Conyers, one or 2% of the vote is what decides elections. If you do not get the black vote, the students, Asian Pacific Americans, Native Americans, East Indian seniors and ethnic communities to vote, you lose. Now, the test case of this was Yunkin in Virginia. Yeah. And I learned all this from Andrew, by the way. What Terry McCall, who's a friend of mine, I don't want to badmouth him, good guy, but I think he ran a poor campaign. He used the typical Democratic strategy, as did my colleague Nina Turner. TV commercials, consultants. What they did not do was relational organizing. What Andrew Miller just outlined is what he did not do. So Youngkin ran as a moderate Republican. But when he went to southern virginia he ran as a trump republican but he's ruling as a trump republican if you look in sharp contrast to the georgia miracle and how that those races were won it was through relational organizing wouldn't it make sense then to pursue relational organizing in the closest race of course but you can't do that without funding that's what andrew just said they need they need money there are, are groups like Leo Woodbury, Reverend Leo Woodbury in South Carolina, every race that he's gotten behind, and many of you actually gave money to Leo Woodbury, uh, PDA did, all of, all of those campaigns, he won. They won. The African-American races in South Carolina that Reverend Leo Woodbury got behind through relational organizing, they all won. So we want to bring in and identify people like Reverend Leo Woodbury or Gloria Chenubu in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, who are the donors that we can go to? It's what I call the 1% left. Um, individual donors would be people like us. That, what did Bernie Sanders do? He raised money by going to individual donors, asking them for a small contribution. We cannot do that unless donors see that progressives have united in a summit with a name and a plan for, to win the midterms. You need a few celebrities to endorse the plan and endorse the idea. There should be some concerts. That's the Woodstock idea. Um, it's gotta be fun. Go, go to any office where in the black community where black women or black activists were running, are running campaigns. I learned this from the Obama campaign. There was a lot of food. And people might say, well, why, why does food matter? It matters a lot is you wanna create an atmosphere where it's fun. And it's gotta feel like a bar mitzvah. It's gotta feel like a family. After you've come up with the plan and you've got funding, then you gotta hire organizers to implement the plan. If you don't hire organizers, there cannot be a successful campaign for progressives to win elections in the midterms. There's some things that you have to avoid. One is hiring leaders with no experience. Two, hiring hiring leaders with big egos. Hiring (laughs) leaders who believe in silos. Hiring leaders who are dysfunctional. um, Hiring leaders who think that you must prove yourself because you work for a big NGO or you have a lot of money. Now, um, I'm almost finished. Now, once the plan has been implemented, then after the, the summit is over and the elections are over and we've got progressives elected into Congress, and the House and the Senate are progressive, notice I'm not using the word Democrat We're nonpartisan, then that campaign hopefully could create a united progressive front, something that progressives are allergic to, unity, winning, power, um, no more latte liberal progressives. The, those days have gotta be over. If we want deep transformative change, if we don't, thank you Wendy, I see you going. <laughs> If, if we don't unite now, we're doomed. Um, I learned this from Congressman Walter Fauntroy, who organized the March on Washington for Martin Luther King, and a very dear friend of mine, still alive. What he told me was what SNCC would do, <clears throat> Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. They would, they would win elections that were very close, and then they would basically negotiate with Democrats and say, since we've won all these elections, now we want the great society to pass. That's how much power they had. Now, if you don't study revolutionary history or electoral history, it's kind of hard to grasp some of these ideas. But what Andrew is talking about, what I'm talking about, is what already happened in the 60s. So we got to bring in people from SNCC, bring in people who've won before um, and That's it, thank you.
1: Well, thank you, Joel, that's magnificent. Um, uh, A really great presentation, and this is what we're trying to do. I think in Jewish terms, of course, we want to be uh, more like a bar mitzvah and less like a bris, but... um...
0: (laughs) Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, We got what we
1: needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden.